Welcome to the Leap with Jabba, the podcast that bridges continents and connects stories. Join us as we dive into the vibrant world of international education, explore diverse cultures, and share the extraordinary journeys of students far from home. Whether you're dreaming of studying abroad or already embarking on this adventure through other means, Libra Jackpot is your companion in navigating the exciting, challenging, and transformative world of global education. Let's leap into today's episode. All right, folks, now that we are all settled in, let us go to the highlight of today's episode. I'm incredibly excited to introduce a special guest who's joining us from the University of Southern California. He's not just any student, he's someone who's currently walking the path that many of you dream about. A grad student immersed in the vibrant academic life at USC. Today, he's here to share his journey with us, the challenges, the triumphs, and everything in between. Think about it. What is it like to study at a top U.S. university? How do you navigate the complexities of grad school life, especially as an international student? Our guest has these answers and more. From the nuts and bolts of the application process to the day-to-day experiences of campus life, his story is a treasure trove of insights. This is not just an interview. It's a window into a world many of you aspire to be part of. So if you're gearing up for grad for your grad school journey or are still in the defense about taking that leap, this conversation is something you won't want to miss. Grab your notebook. You might want to jot down some of these golden nuggets. Without further ado, let us welcome our guest from USC. Get ready to be inspired, informed, and perhaps even surprised by what life at a U.S. grad school is all about. This is Leap with Jacqua, bringing you closer to your academic aspirations. Let's dive in. Okay, good afternoon. So what's the full name? Mobology? Yes, Mobology Olawale. Olawale. Yeah, just, you know, um, thank you for doing this. I know that to catch you at a very, very... It's a Sunday, so I know you're very busy and you probably have midterms. But I wanted to start out with um, telling us a bit about yourself and, you know, essentially what inspired you to study abroad. Okay. Um, all right. Um, again, I'm Mobology. Uh, I like to see myself as a lifelong learner. Okay. Uh, pretty much someone that is always... I found I found that I'm actually someone that is always very curious, so... In the process okay. of doing that, that actually kind of led me to, at least during my undergrad, led me to um, pick up computer science because I was like, how is it that I'm pressing this and then how does that affect the system? And right. I got to know that, okay, through computer science, where I could actually do this and this. But then initially I was skeptical because I was thinking, oh, computer science, I'll end up becoming like an ICT teacher. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> funny that you say that because I remember when I was doing computer science, they they thought they were going to uh, they were going to open a computer shop for me that I'll be selling computer parts. That, that was the that was the ultimate dream of some of my family members. I would just open a shop for him where he can sell computers like the other guys do. They didn't get this programming thing. Okay, so continue. Sure. Then um uh during my like third year in school, I think that was the first time 
that actually got to like work at a tech company and I realized, oh, so this is actually what is happening. So then like I had a really big mindset change in the way I saw computer science and the way we use um, computer programs to like solve a lot of problems. And then right. being a problem seeker and taking one particular course that I actually took, that my actually taught us in terms of like efficiency and optimization, seeing that that could really help in that angle. I was like, since then, that has just been like my motto, like, okay, what's this problem? Is this a problem that has not been solved? Is it a problem that can be solved? Right. Is it a problem that already has a solution and there's no way that we can make this more optimal? So those are like some of the bad things that were like in my head. So for a while, I was just like, Picking up, learning different things, learning different languages. Okay. Then even coming out of school, worked with uh, Flutterway. Okay. So wait, before Flutterway, you said you worked your third year? Oh, yes. Well, where, where was that? What did you do? I was at Blue Chip Technologies. Okay. I worked as a software engineer in CERN. Okay. Thankfully, I was able to join. There was these projects that were trying to help the clients with. So I was able to to join and that was really where I got my experience because I was oh no that was where I got that was the second time actually that I got an experience working with a client and like trying to build a software solution what kind of software web hardware what kind of what kind of software was this yeah so it was a web solution it was more or less replacing um, the different like we had a desktop solution at the time okay Okay. it was legacy and then being that they were trying, basically they were trying to expand, the desktop wasn't going to cut it. So right. they it Okay. So that was, and then being on that team, like trying to build that solution, really then exposed my, my thinking and perspective towards like software engineering as a whole. Okay. And then even working at a Florida Wave, right. like back an engineer, then the shift changed again because I'm like, okay, now, so it's one thing to make a solution, but then it's another thing to make a solution for thousands, millions of people. people. And when that everybody's getting similar experience. Right. I like, All right, that's, that's good. And then I was like, but then in school, there's like this manual that you follow. Okay, in your first year, you do this. In your second year, you do this. In your third year, you do this. And then you enter the real world. There's no manual. Like, yeah. There's just this open valley. Choose your paths. I'll <laughs> go and keep going. So I was like, huh, okay. So now there are two things. How am I going to get a deeper understanding as to how, like a more advanced understanding as to how the computers work more than right. what I got in undergrad? And the other question was, how am I ever going to get um, this business knowledge, like business understanding so that I know that's what I'm doing isn't just like a normal software, but then it's actually affecting a particular business operation, a particular business in terms of like how that can help them gain more revenue or get more potential customers. Okay. So while I was doing that, I was like, okay, for that kind of thing, I was able to like network. And then that was when the idea of like, oh, I should probably go and start my master's because that's in the sense of, well, I'm currently doing masters in computer science. Right. Uh, I would be able to expand based on what I knew from in undergrad, and then use that right. in 
tangents with what I'm currently learning for like business lingo so that I can build right. on more more right. solutions. More solutions. Okay. Okay. So that's what inspired. So how did you how did you pick the US? How you know I'm sure there are lots of schools, you know, um they're like forty five hundred schools in the US. So two questions. Why the US and then why your school and then why not other places? Now I'm not this is not a pounding down other places, but there must have been a reason why you chose the US. So why the US? Well, for me, why the US, um, one of them was down to quality of education and a fit. So um, based on like the research that I found, mm. or, or based on the research that I did, sorry, most of the US schools, right, you could get not discounting or not saying that you can't get quality education elsewhere. Right. But then in the US, you could get that. And then with the experience that you could get mingling with different people, that right. also helps. Okay. Although you could go to school and then learn, you could also meet with different people that even broaden your understanding of what you're actually learning. So that's like different types of collaborations that you're going to have. Right. Well, for me particularly when i was looking at the us though i don't i didn't only look at the us i also looked at different places like uk okay one but then i was more like okay based on the schools that i have where right. can i actually get a quality education and which school particularly fits with like my core values like in terms of like diversity learning impact right. and teaching different people right. as well with which school exactly and where exactly does that fit? Right. Uh, that was one of the reasons why I ended up going to US. Um, why I chose USC, uh, not only being the fact that they are one of the top schools, right. but based on the school's ranking, I, that like really attests to the quality of their education. Okay. Fair enough. I was like, okay, if I'm going to any school, I just don't want to go to any school. I want to go to one of the best. Right. But whether I can actually learn and then based on what I learn, I can also come back home and then build on actually meaningful solutions that can turn the economy around and like right. more positive impacts. So that was why I chose USC. And um, yes, another part of it, well, this one doesn't really count, but then right. I was like, if I'm going to the US, I don't want to go to anywhere cool. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair, okay. fair enough. Is, is warm at least for yeah. the most part of it is warm I was like okay everyone that's just like the cherry on the I cherry on the icing so I was like right. yeah so there was a point in time where we where we ended up crossing paths before you came yes how, how how did you first of all how did you find out about me and how exactly did I help you how exactly did I help you in this first transition to coming to uh, USC what's the just give some insights Okay, so uh, there's this program in, and I employ a lot of people to also join if they want to actually uh, study abroad and get good education. There's this program called Education USC. Right. I got to know about that program, I would say like a few months plus after I finished undergrad. Right. Because I already saw that like right from finishing undergrad and while working, I didn't notice that, okay, I needed to gain this knowledge and that was doing the research that was actually what led me to education USA 
Right. And while we're at Education USA, I remember Mrs. Yu speaking that, um, okay, these are like to get into a, to get a U.S. school, this is the pathway, this is how you go about them. Right. Then in one of the interviews or one of the meetings that we had with Mrs. Yu, <clears throat> right. uh, she remembers very clearly there's this one of our candidates that was there that's currently he's in the U.S. and he's doing really well. And she said it like, if not three to four times, right. just kept asking like, who is this person that misses her? She right. didn't give a name. So I was like, this mystery person. So I was right. like, I need to find this person because for Mrs. Yu to like really vouch for him, then he must be a really right. good person. So I was like, okay, how am I going to find that person? Then I started searching on, I searched, started searching every blog post, every person that came out of Education USA. Oh, really? Well, I checked, checked, checked. I went to the website. Then I even noticed, the, okay, on this website, there was this section for past alumnus. Right. And, and also, because she said the university, and right. I just, wait, could it be this person that Mrs. Yu is referring to? Let me go and check though. Let me go and check on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, he's the one. Because she said oh, when she when he finished, he walked out Intel. Then I was like, this person finished. He walked out Intel. So I was like, okay, let me reach out to him. He's most likely the one. I thought <laughs> it was you. I was like, oh, okay, nice. That was that was good. Okay. But when we spoke, um, I remember then I was really having I, I think the problem I was even having was at first, I was thinking, okay, what school did I want to go to? Initially, I didn't, initially I didn't have a plan, but then you asked me like several questions that really helped me ask myself more deeper questions like, okay, what exactly? Because saying that, oh, I want to get a more advanced um, understanding right. in terms of the science. It's not just enough. Like, what exactly do you want to get? What exactly do you want to... What do you want to achieve with it? Yeah. What, do you, what do you want to achieve with it? And yeah. if you have... Most people, when you say, oh, I'm going to do my master's, they're like, okay, master's in what? Master's where? Right. Master's in what specific field? Right. Initially, those questions didn't come up to me. But then when you started asking me the, those questions, then I now realized, okay, so now I need to actually sit back take like some moments into like figure out what exactly i want to get out of the masters right and you even asking me that question i don't even know i don't i don't think okay i didn't tell you but it really helped me when i was writing my sop because right initially i didn't have any plan for the sop because like, okay how does one write an sop but then right. after he did asking those questions i could initially in my SOP, i was like okay this is what I want to do in my master's. Right. This is what I want to get. And then after, once I get this knowledge, this is what I want to use those knowledge to achieve. Like, these are my goals. These are like the milestones that I already set. Right. For. So. It gave you some form of clarity. Yes. 100%. Okay. Okay, that's good. So what were the, what were the steps? So aside from coming up with SOP, any, was there any, what, what were the, did you take the GRE? Did you take TOEFL? Did you, what were those steps that, what were the initial steps that you? Yes. So, uh, the first one was the GRE. Mm. Um, initially I was thinking 
And this was just my own thoughts because when I came out, I didn't, I wasn't like, I'd not done enough research to know that you being me being in Nigeria and then most people in Nigeria speak English right. doesn't necessarily mean you can just go into another country without showing that you have like a well understanding in English. So I did the GRE in the first year. I did the GRE. Uh, I did the GRE. Um, then I also did, that was like that first year I did the GRE, but I'll say that first year was like a year of clarity for me because even though I was already preparing to apply, okay. I ended up not applying because like coming out of school, I ended up not applying because that was like, I used that entire year to try and figure out or answer that question that you asked because okay. while I'm getting close to the admission, this thing, I was like, nah, I can't apply now because I can't specifically say this is exactly why I want. Okay. Again, though I was still, though I did, I ended up doing the GRE. After the GRE, I started, while I was still working, I was like, okay, researching different um, fields. Right. Researching different aspects. Is the master's right for me? Is the master's not right for me? Um, what knowledge can I gain? Understanding can I gain? Uh, right. Okay. I initially now figured out, okay, there are two areas I want to go in depth into. Okay. To go into, no, there were three. Do I want to go into just normal software engineering or okay. want to go into AI? Okay. Or want to go into blockchain? Right. And I was like, okay, can, is it possible that one can do all three at the same time? Okay, true. Yeah. I remember, I, I, I don't know if you remember, I asked you that question that, is it possible? Because I was like, now nah, all of them seem really interesting. Those are like my core interest but then it then at that time it, it just showed that i still although i was able to like really narrow down right i'd not fully narrowed down what exactly i wanted to do okay so i then um still took some time back did more research as like, okay i must i'll go with ai okay. through artificial intelligence okay which was at the beginning it was different from what i initially thought about Right. It's been that I'd already done my undergraduate research in AI and okay. in the possibilities of how AI could like change the game. I noticed when when I started looking into schools, I was when I noticed that yes, you doing AI does not necessarily mean you're not gonna get the other knowledge that you are looking exactly. Yes. Yeah. So when I knew that, I was like, ah yeah. light moment. I was like, all right, no problem. I'm going for which, AI. Which which is probably why you're doing the traditional masters in computer science. Yes. Because then you can take AI classes, you yes. can take, you know, web three classes, you can take okay. crypto classes, whatever classes you want to take. And then you can decide after the program to say, you know what, this is really what I want to do. And then when anything changes, and you know, I put this in one of the episodes that says, Hey, don't constrict yourself and do I want to do a master's in machine learning. Well, what happens if machine learning is no longer in vogue? The recruiters will see the recruiters that are reading your resume are not computer people. Sure. They see masters in machine learning, they're gonna skip over your your uh, your resume. Like mm. someone that has a master's in computer science and he goes, Oh, but I did some classes in AI. I, I got a B in my class. I did this project. And then he's gonna talk about a project and it's gonna seem like he's a, a knowledgeable person. I don't pass him to the interview. And that's one thing with 
the interview process, you need to pass the gatekeepers, the initial gatekeeper. You need to be the first person that will jump the queue. And, you know, it's good that you decided to say, okay, I want to do AI, but you did not concentrate on saying, I must do a master's in AI. Yeah. Yes. Which have restricted you. You so know, one particular field. One particular field, and then you lose out because now you can switch. Now you're dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's good. So that's um, how many schools did you apply to? I applied to about four schools. Okay. Four in the US. Okay. Um, a few of them in in Ireland. Okay. And a few of them in in um, Canada. Okay, did you spread out your applications in the US? Was it in a particular region or was it in a particular region that was not cold? Do you it's you know what? The funny thing is, even even um while I was even while I was applying, I ended up not even using that as a criteria. Okay, yeah. I was like, yeah. so I, I, I can't I can't use that as an excuse. I mean it would be nice, but then right. as an excuse. So, so you- the way I spread out my application was like uh Few top schools, okay, and um, okay. lower schools. So as aspirational schools, schools that you'd aspire to be in, schools that you know you can get, and schools that you totally know that you can get into. Yes, as opposed to just you know looking at, and that's one thing most people have problems with. They they look for they only apply to the aspirational schools, and then they ignore the schools that they can actually get into. The schools that you know, no brainer. I I'll get into this. Okay, so what was your first impression? You know, there's always this notion, there's this picture that you have in your mind. You've watched action movies, you've watched tech movies, and then you get here. What were your first impressions upon arriving? And how did you cope with the adjustment? Hmm. First impressions, when I got here. Right. I know this is sound very local, but I was like, it's right. There's no, I was like, there's no KK to, to help me tell you. <laughs> Carrying my load from from the bus stop to my apartment, right? But in terms of like the um, environment, it was right. very, I was like, this is very very different from what I'm used to. Um, right. Which yeah. is what, what, what were you what were you expecting? What you say? This is different from what you're used to. What did you What do you mean? Can you explain that? The first of all, everywhere just looked beautiful. Yeah. Just looked stunning. Um, there was everything just worked. Right. Okay. When I first landed here, I was like, okay, I'll be expecting the bus in two minutes. And in two minutes, the bus was actually there. I was like, wow, right. that's not something that happens back home. You see, two minutes. So, so this is Southern California. So maybe you yeah. need to explain uh, where exactly you are in Southern because you know this is the University of Southern California. You know, so yeah. it's a converted school. I know. Um, one of the Obama daughters finished from there, you know, so it's, you, you have the high players. I know Dr. Dre's daughter went there as well, you know, has something to do with music, has something to do with the musical school. So describe the setting where you are so that people will understand when you say it's beautiful, because I know Southern California is beautiful. I don't like LA, but you're in LA area itch. I'm a San Diego man. I live up North. So, but just describe what you mean when you say, it's it's a beautiful architecture, so so people understand what you mean. So the thing there's the thing about USC in particular is we have a thing for red bricks. So oh, that's the first. Every no, <laughs> yes, every single building right. has a red brick on it. 
Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Our color is cardinal and gold. So okay. it kind of also ties in. There's a color called cardinal. I don't know what that is. It's it's kind of like wine red. Wine red. First for me, okay. When I when I first got there, that was actually that's what I said when I first when I first landed, that was the first thing that struck me. Initially, I was like, there is a lot of material in this edge. You could choose any other material. Why is right. every building having the same color? Right. So it's everywhere is cardinal and gold, red very nice. Um the architecture doesn't particularly look so modern. I right. like the way they still reserve the antiquities in those architecture yeah. whilst introducing like different modern aspects into it. But it doesn't overshadow the way the actual school came up to be. So and okay. one thing I know is almost in every place that you go to, there's a water fountain, which is really nice because okay. it's actually always cool at the water fountain. So okay. there's a lot of water fountains, a lot of statues, Right. A lot of statues, a lot of greenways, a lot of open places that people can connect. Right. Uh, I remember when I first came, after I came, um, that same day I was like, okay, I probably need to try and get, I need to get something. And I walked in. So there's this thing that we have, we call the USC village. Okay. So basically that's where most of the undergrads stay. And that's a place where most at least when they are not on campus that's where most students all come together to like interact mix um, okay have a chill if you want to buy anything most of all the stores are right, right. So, okay so okay. and there in nigeria i hated pigeons but then pigeons here are nice <laughs> pigeons here are nice so there's and there's this there's this few ball fonts in there which like are the dead center of the entire um village because villages i think it's like a triangle kind of shape ish okay and there's this fountain there's a fountain there they have a lot of sitting areas there if you want if you want to get like a sun bath just right. go there <laughs> you'll get a sun okay 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 so um so that's that's how you kind of coped with your initials. So any any surprises, any cultural surprises or experiences and how has it impacted your your perspective? Well yeah, so um the other thing is when I was coming here, I was, I was thinking because it, a lot of um the people at least when I read I was like, oh the lot of people that are in the US are really open and then when I came here I mean, for the first few weeks, yeah, people were open. Right. Then after a while, I noticed they were not as, at least the expectation as to how they were open was not what was happening. Right. Where maybe, oh, if you need a help, oh yeah, sure, they're willing to help you. Right. But then let's say you can't just, I mean, normally true, you can't just walk up to a stranger and want to make friends with them. But then like doing classes, I was like, oh, okay, hey, uh, why in the same class, we're going to most likely see each other every single other day. Right. So I was like, okay, let's, let's um, stay friends. So I think, yeah, that was for me, that was a cultural shock, being that people were actually more closed up than out. Oh. Maybe, maybe because we're all new and we don't really know each other. And maybe yeah. over when people open up. But then initially I was thinking, oh, everybody's going to be open. Right. I'll just make up three new friends. 
that didn't happen. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. The other thing that I wouldn't say is a cultural shock was um, I was also like doing my research. I was also, but I was, I wasn't too keen on diversity. I'm okay. like open to anyone, open to any place. So I knew that, yeah, coming into US, you, although USC is a really diverse school, you will okay. see I've met a lot of different people here. Okay. Right. But then, when I did my research, I didn't know that the school didn't have a lot of um, black people. So when I came here, I wasn't really expecting, I wasn't really expecting to see that many. But okay. then, turns out I was wrong. Oh, okay. So the last one got people of color and uh, yes. diversity. It's diverse, rather. Okay. It's diverse. When I go, I was like, now I, now I just feel like every day I'm always telling myself that, oh, when I look back in the, like, in the future, when I look back to this particular moment, I was just like, wow, different calibers of people, different people from different cities. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, to me, I was just like mesmerized because I'm like, there are some other universities that are not necessarily like that. And they really have, it, like, it takes it too long some people because they feel like, oh, they can't be friends. They, they can be friends with some people, though, but they may not relate to the extenters because they are not coming from the same background that you're coming from. But then here, at first, I was thinking, oh, I'll probably, I'll probably feel that way. But then, no, I was wrong because okay. even in the first week when I was coming from my department, right. I spoke a few, like, three or four gentlemen. They were all just near one of our department buildings we're all discussing and i just walked up to them i was like hey how are you guys doing like i just got here um I, to be honest i just thought maybe i could reach out because i just got here i needed some help and they're like i'm a nigerian i was like yeah i was like you're nigerian and they would from there we all just clicked and then right okay. it's just been going really well okay well, so how's the what about the academic experience how is it different from um Oh, it's different from Nigeria. I know. So I know you went to, um, where did you attend? Babcock? Is it Babcock? Well, Covenant, Covenant University. Sorry. Yes. One of them. Um, I, so how is it different? How is the teaching style? Um, so I don't know how, uh, Babcock or Covenant University teach at, at, in school that I went to a public, um, Nigeria University. So, but, but you would have a very good, you, you already had a very good exposure to, this kind of thing. So how is it different for you? How has it been different for you? One is, first, it is not redang. It's not, well, in, in school, yeah. there's, there's this phrase that I call la cram la poor. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not redang poor. I, was, I knew yeah, where you were going to. <laughs> Did you have that in comment? For some, for the way, well, for some me, class. there were difficult courses that it was uh, just, you had to it, do that. It's easier for me to just cram out poor. You understand it here. But then, that was even one of the more reasons why I actually wanted to come to a U.S. school because that is a different thing. When you understand why things are working in a certain way, then mm. it's easier for you to build on that. So when I came here, that was, well, that was one thing that I found that was different, which I was expecting. Okay. It is less cramming, but more practical. If right. they're doing something in this particular format, they have a reason why they're explaining it in this particular format. Right. So they can't understand it and they like tie it to um, your experiences. So um, one of them was the, and, um, that I just finished, analysis of algorithms. Oh, yeah. 
very, very interesting graph. <laughs> you didn't for that course. Initially, mm. when we started and I went to the curriculum, I was like, oh, it feels a little bit too theoretical. Yeah, it is. It's actually a theoretical class. It's not a practical. It's a math. It's actually a math class. Yes. So for some interesting reason, analysis of algorithm is actually more math than computer science. Sure. But you would be surprised as to how in, like, while we're trying to solve some assignments and, like, some different projects. Right. Sometimes I'll just look at the particular topic and I'll try to, and I was actually able to understand some, like, how some practical things actually come to play. Okay. Well, not to be too technical, one of them was um, NP completeness, NP hardness. Right. Yep. And initially I was like, this is, okay, now I understand this, but then this is too technical. Like, how does that affect into the world? Yeah. And I met one of my professors and he explained it. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. no, yep. no, no, that yep. makes sense. Okay. Yes. No, that yes. makes sense. I mean, that that's actually one of the reasons why um, Tesla, they're able to build a car with full self-driving. That, that's like one of those problems. No, one of those problems that have the, um, a theoretical, if you have that theoretical understanding, you can come up with a practical solution. Oh, yeah. So it was from there, that's an hour really understood that, oh, okay, so probably I shouldn't only look at it from Garrett's aspect. I should also look at it as well. How can I apply this in a more practical aspect? And right. I'm only grateful for one of the courses that I took, um, Database Systems, yeah. where it wasn't, the class is very practical. Yeah. So most people just think about a database like, oh, you have data points into this bucket. Right, but right. When he was explaining to me, when he was explaining, not to, only to me, but when he was explaining to like our course, like our student, the, my colleagues and like other students, what is actually going on under the hood. Yeah. Like start to understand. That, that was when I started understanding, oh, so this is why they do this. This is why yeah. they do that. That was what led to this. Right. Um, for me, I really liked it because I'm like, someone is always very curious, trying to understand. And what goes on under the hood. What's going mm-hmm. on under the hood. It really helped me because when I'm making those, well, in a couple of years, when I'm making those decisions, yeah. I specifically say, we should not go down this route because they, we have a limitation at this particular aspect. Yeah. yeah. That was one thing that I really liked. Not just because I know anybody can just go online and learn coding. Right. Yeah. But so, you know, but you have to design on a higher level, right? On a lower level. So, yeah. if I'm able to understand the entire stack, yes, I'll have more understand, like more intuition and be able to make the right judgment. So, that was one thing I really like being that I could take those theoretical aspects and then I try and transform them into a practical solution. Yeah, so things like the CAD theorem and yeah. how to scale databases and things like oh, that. Yes. I mean, handy, computationally bound workloads, memory yeah. bound workloads and things like that kind of gives you an insight into, oh, okay, so this is how I should be looking at this kind of things and, and things like that. Well, okay. So the other thing that is very important, we've talked about all the technical dragons. Most people will travel, you know, or bored. What about the social life or networking? You talked about meeting two Nigerians. What is, no, I'm not going to ask about personal life, but what is social life like? You know, what is, what is that thing that, what, 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 what takes you offline? You know, 
all this all technical stuff is all fun. But what about offline? How do you deal with the social connect you know, connectedness? What what has that been like for you? Uh you know, okay. One of them is naturally. Um, right. naturally I've I've always been an introvert. Okay. Okay. Even before I came out of before I finished undergrad, I was okay. really like, nah, I don't become an introvert. I want to be an extrovert. So right. Okay. When I came in, when I was coming into yeah, the, I, I don't know how introverts change to extroverts. Very difficult, but I want to hear this one. It's difficult. It's it kind of like, actually, you know, there's, as an introvert, there are some things you don't want to do. But yeah. then if you want to be an extrovert, you do the opposite of what people would do. Yeah. So most of the time, I would do the opposite of what I actually want to work. What my mind is telling me, hey, just do this and you'll be fine. You I'll do the opposite. the opposite of that. Right. So, just as what happens. Yeah. So when I came here, I was like, when I first came here, I was like, man, it's going to be the, I, okay. I was like, man, it's going to be difficult for me to really connect with um, people. Being that I used to be an introvert, but then I mean, back home, it was easier because everybody understood each other here. Yeah. It's, done, it's, in, it's on a different level. Right. Um, when I went that Thursday when I came, then I went to the village. I was just walking back and then someone just stopped me and they were like, it was stopped. He stopped me was like asking, oh, if I'm interested in this Pascal town. I was like, oh yeah, yes I am. And then from there we just continued talking and now we're like really good friends. Oh nice. Even in class, the two people that sat down beside me, I would say like now are like my closest friends. Okay. Okay. That's good. When I came here, I was just like, initially I was like, I love different. How am I going to? Because let me even put into perspective. Okay. The thing is, most master's classes that I usually hear from like different people, they're like, oh, master's class, you don't see up to 100 students in a class. Oh, wow. That 100 is a lot, actually. 100 is a lot. Yeah. Should I tell you how many were in my class? How many? Around 800. 800? Yes. Wait, 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 wait. It, when you say 800, are you talking about 800 across all the, all the uh, master's program? No, across all the master's program, I would say why in the thousands. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This is when you say 800. Are you talking about 800 in computer science? No, so... Or 800 in engineering or 800 in the grass? No, in the course, in the particular course I'm taking. Right, well, which it's give an example. Which one is it? Analysis of algorithm. Analysis of algorithm, computer science class. So, yes. what's computer science? Okay, well, around eight hundred students. Eight hundred students. So wait, so wait a minute. The grad program can have students. Is it is this undergrad taking grad classes that are eight hundred, or is this just all grad students? Mostly all grad students. Okay, that's a that's a huge class. I have. I don't think we're more than 40 in my class. Mm. 800. That's so many. It's, that's a huge enrollment. Yep. Yep. And the USC is, is a, is it's, not, it's not a public school, right? No, it's a private school. It's, yeah. it's funny because I thought, because USC is, so, so it's not part of the UC system. No, it's not. Incredible. 800. 800 paint. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. That, that, okay. Continue what you're trying to say. Oh. That, that's a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah. So um, during when I first got into class, when I heard that number, I was like, what? That is it. Because even back home, 
there was this, there's a general class that we used to have, a general course that we like everybody, let's say everybody in 200 level, everybody in 300 level. And I knew in that course, there were around 800 students. So I'm like, that's like the whole school. Typically. That's like the full, what is it? The level. level. But this is just for one particular course. At this point, I'm not even considering students that are ahead. Yeah. I'm not considering people that just came in. Came in. Like, I was like, 800. So at the time, I was like, no. In terms of like relating with people, I was like, nah, it looks like I'll end up becoming an introvert because I, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to relate with. And I was like, and I ended up doing the opposite thing. So right. like, now, when, when I get to class, I'm like, I'll just meet someone. I was just like, Hey, what's up? How are you doing? They will just, from there, we'll just connect. And then we'll just connect. And then now when I go into class, I'm like, Hey, what's up? How are you doing? I would have spoken to almost like 30 to 40 people. Wow. If I go, if I go to sit down and one of my friends would be like, Sibolaji, he just knows too many. I'm like, bro, is that like I know too many people? <laughs> so I would usually well, you naturally would have done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that's a that's a good one. That kind of puts you out of your comfort zone so you can so so this this kind of jumps into the next question of personal growth. So how has it how has changed so I know you got here September last year? Sorry, yes. no, no no September oh, this year. August. No, August. I got here August. Oh, sorry, August. Wow. It's been a while that I can't even forget. It was first week in September. It's first week of September. So do you use a semester system or a quarter system? We use a semester system. Semester system. So it's, uh, okay. So you're you're currently finishing up your your fall semester. Yes. Okay. So what has, um what has been the, well, we've explained the biggest challenges. How do you feel you've grown? You know, you, you've kind of, touched on some of them, you know, doing the opposites of what you want to do. But how do you feel you've grown? What has, what is your current outlook? Uh, I would say, um, outside of academics, right? Yeah. I've grown quite a lot because I know in Covenant University, the one thing that they really, really thought that I was grateful enough to like pick up was the concept of time. Okay. Like get into places on time but then here now i don't know it's just like part and parcel of me that anyone yeah. i'm like it's if, the I'm not, if i'm not 30 minutes early i'm late yeah it's the tradition you have to make sure you you hammer that into yourself so you know, it carries on with you so yeah so aside from that um learning time time management now has become like one thing that i'll know i've improved on because yeah. Given that we have just, um, initially I was thinking, oh, just two courses. I'll have a lot of free time on my hand. Yeah, that was, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, that did. Don't, don't let it trick you. Those two classes are, yeah, they're bad. Because it was like almost, if not every week, every two weeks, we have any quiz. We had a sentence. I had to read up. I also had like other different things to, to do. So then, I, then my calendar almost became like my best friend. In yes, if I'm doing something, I'll be like lock booking uh, your calendars, just and just okay. ensure that I don't forget because I know back home there are some things that I'm be like, oh, I'll do in this particular at, at this particular day, and I end up forgetting about it. And I'll say, yeah, my time management became 
a lot better than where yeah. I started off. Um, in terms of like connecting with different people, I would say now I'm no longer, I was, I would say I'm as shy as I used to be. I was like, no, just grow. What's the yeah. phone? You just okay. go to different people. Uh, the other thing I would say is technical wise, right. I would say like understanding now when all the, all that they taught me in like my undergrad, everything that they taught me then in my undergrad now, it's beginning to mm. add up. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. It makes sense. And then, oh, what else again? Mm, yeah, for now, I think those are like the okay. only that I can really think of. Okay. Okay. So, um, I know we're kind of on a pathway of our planning. So the next phase would be to, um, to do the, to do, to do the Nesby. Yes. So what, what has, have you connected to local Nesby chapters at USC and you know, what is the plan like for, for Nesby Atlanta 2024 now? Yes. So, uh, when I got here, uh, I joined the, I joined the, okay. Initially beginning of semester, let me go with Doc, sorry. Beginning of semester, because I was able to plan my time, I won't say so well, but I was able to do it efficiently okay. I was able to attend a lot of events that were occurring on on campus and okay. more room to like connect to different people. Okay. And there was this particular event that the Nesby, at least the USC chapter, they were there. So okay. there on, I joined the USB Nesby chapter. Okay. So I've been joining that. I've been attending their meetings. I think it's every Monday around 7 p.m. Okay. So, yeah. I've been joining that. And then because all of these events that I've been like attending, I met with different people. <laughs> I ended up speaking with, sorry, I ended up speaking with one of the senior directors at Central for Engineering Diversity. Okay. That's I, good. Didn't know, I didn't know that he was like the senior director. Okay. Until like after the entire event, I was like, and I, we got our contact details and like, okay, I'll connect with him after. Okay. And then and I just checked him up and I was like, oh, he's the senior director. Wow, that's that's interesting. So it was from those relationships that I then um I was able to like go to the way the well, his department was the one that was able to fund me to go to some different conferences. Okay. But in terms of the plan, now that I'm part of the US CNSB chapter, right at all, the school has funds to um, send a few students to okay. to Nesby, the 50th um, one that's coming up next day. Right. So I've been sending my application for that one, just waiting for for response. Hopefully I get it. Else, okay. there's always going to be a plan B. There's going to be a plan B to make sure you know it's going to be a plan B. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, look, so like I mentioned earlier to you uh, prior to starting this, we're going to be following you know, how, how things are. So to just try and see where you are, what's the update. But in, 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 uh, in conclusion, what, you know, so this is a, it's called Nipu Japa. So a lot of people typically, you know, they leave Nigeria and everybody just disappears off the radar. So everyone's just, you know, huddled down. The aim of the, the podcast is to just ensure that we can share the stories so that people would actually understand, Hey, there's a, there's, there's a plan that works. There's something that you have to do 
you know, you have been proactive. You, I mean, you met a senior director that you didn't know he was a senior director. Mm-hmm. And if you had just said, ah, well, let me just face my studies, which is good, you should, but, you know, there's this other half of the plan. And, you know, essentially what I wanted to say is that what has, what has the, you know, your Japa story, you know, their journey, you know, what has it meant to you now so far? I mean, so far, the good thing is I'm catching you very early so that people would not think it's, oh, you know, he was just lucky. So, so, you know, so, so far, as at right now, in December of 2023, what has your journey been like so far in this first, let's say, first quarter of, you know, you know your Jackpot story so far? Well, uh, one thing is, I always tell a lot. I remember I told a lot of my friends, and I still tell them, Right. I particularly told I told them that seeds it's a jo- I call it on my LinkedIn I called it the journey from moving from an ego to a Trojan. And the reason why I say that is because being an ego, like Covenant University, they know right. egos. Most students are referred to as egos. Right. So it's called a Trojan. Right. When I tell students that it's less of a journey of just living the country, but it's more to actually finding my calling. Right. Only finding my calling, also um, learning, more importantly, learning and seeing how I can impact other people's lives, how they can learn from like my footsteps, and learn from my mistakes, how they can learn from, because that's how we all end up going to grow. And when right. I do that, the journey is such that I'm always looking for trying to get be the best that I can be, join yeah. the best, learn the best. Right. And mingle with a lot of other people. So that those that don't have the opportunity would have the opportunity in some particular way. Right. When I tell them that when I'm when I live, when I'm living in Nigeria, open to come back. Maybe I'll come back, put some necessary things in place. Right. Like uh there was okay, there's this one. I don't know if I didn't tell you there was there's this um if and if you're of, of my other friends. Right. But that this um uh kind of like a small company or okay. boys when students enter undergrad, mm. we try and teach them what they are going to be expecting when they are finishing yeah. school. Oh, okay, that's good. Like, a whole four years. Hmm. I got that knowledge when I was about to finish school. Right. And I was initially I was thinking, is it too late for me already? Because when I came into the US, that was a yes. Now that's a shock that I know. That's a shock that I didn't even know. Because students, when students were coming into like when undergrads, freshmen are coming right. here to the US, they are exposed to a lot of opportunities right such that by the time they are finished school they have an idea of what they want to do and how they are going to get there right they have like three to four years to decide the path that they are going to take correct but then back home it's different in the sense that you don't know about that you only get to know about that when you are leaving school the timing is it's too short to really say, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. do. Like, yeah. If you've not thought about it from like the beginning year, it's going to be difficult for you. You end up saying, okay, this is what I want to do. But then 
why do you want to do that? You will not really be able to answer that. Right. That was what we're trying to solve. Like, can we bring the education further backwards so that when people are coming in, when people are joining, we'll be able to teach them, let them, like, this is what you need to do. Right. This aspects that you want to do. This is aspect that you want to learn. Right. I now going through this journey. Right. Thinking about how when I get back, I'll be able to give, like give back to other people so that when they are and about not when they're about to leave, when they're entering, entering they right. have these opportunities to learn and learn. learn from how they can move from there so that when they are coming out of school, that will set up for for well, That's good. That's that's probably quite aligned with what we're trying to do with the podcast as well, so that people can get an idea like, okay, I'm about to study in the US. What am I what is that like what am I gonna see? Yeah. Well, what is that expectation? You know, what is the pathway? Uh you hear so many horrid stories about ah, everybody's just there enjoying or everybody's there suffering, but you don't you never hear from people because either people are so busy, which is expected. Um but yeah, that that has that has been very, very good. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mbolaji. I don't want to take so much of your time. Thank you for um, sparing an hour of your day. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Leap with Jama. I hope it brought you valuable insights and stories that resonate with your journey. If you have any thoughts to share, questions, or want to send a voice note with your feedback, please visit our website at leapwithjackpot.io. You will find a contact from there. I would love to hear from you and feature your voice in a future episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, some of which are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Player FM. Your subscriptions and reviews help us grow and reach more listeners, and I truly appreciate each one of them. Also, check out our merch store on deepwithjackpot.io website for some cool t-shirts and hoodies. Perfect show for showing your support for the show. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll dive even deeper into the experiences and challenges of international education and careers. Until then, keep leaping forward, and thanks again for being part of the Leap with Jaguar community.